And what we just have to call Thomas Grant's erotica. Thomas Grant's erotica. Course. Thomas Grant's erotica. Expected goals. Thomas Grant's erotica. Eight oh one on a Thursday. You are listening to the Health and Abrupt Show on Sportsnet six fifty. Apologies to all affected by our earlier technical difficulties. We were trying to navigate that along with this amazing eight one victory for the Vancouver Canucks in their season opener. A little bit of a hiccup, a difficult we broke the station. the show. We, we broke, broke the station. The A1 game broke radio. Actually, mm-hmm. it broke the stream, if we're being specific. I think it broke a couple of apps as well. But what can you say? It doesn't happen all that often. We weren't prepared. The, the system was not prepared. The system was not prepared for an 8-1 victory. Too much positivity. Right. Like, oh, ah, yeah, yeah. I'm fueled by negativity. I don't know what to do with all this. <laughs> uh, on that, Thomas Durant's going to join us in a moment here to kick off hour three now that we're back to normal. Uh, hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintec.net. Where was the positivity before, guys? Uh, uh, it wasn't warranted. No. But Andre, the insurance wholesaler, I believe that's a first-time texter. I've never seen that handle before. He texts in, I listen to you guys all year long for that one day where Jason Bruff has a glimmer of hope in his voice about the Vancouver Canucks. Mm-hmm. What about a glimmer of hope in the voice of Thomas Drance? I don't know. Let's ask him now. Drancer joins us on the program. What up, Drancer? Yeah. Good morning, boys. Is that a glimmer of hope I hear? I mean, you had to like it. You had to like what you saw. Yeah. How could you not? Uh, uh, like, what could you even spin negatively? Uh, the third pair looked a little shaky, right? Like the the seams. You're going to try defensive depth. <laughs> God, well, bless, no, God I mean, bless you, Thomas Trance. But it's a point that illustrates how good the performance was, right? Mm-hmm. Because what I liked about this was like there are nights where this team, because of their high end skill, right? Like when you have this much high end skill, when your power plays as good as Vancouver's is should be then there's going to be nights where you win like five two but but don't even play well Mm -hmm. right this wasn't one of those nights you know this wasn't one of those nights like this was an eight one win where you know and and let me give you an example it's it's two nothing when the oilers come out with like a clean fresh sheet of ice having had 15 minutes to stew in the fact that they got massively outplayed in the first period and by the way like we see this script a lot, even even in game one in the NHL. Like, I don't know if you guys watched Ottawa-Carolina, but, like, Ottawa jumped all over the Carolina Hurricanes in the first game, and that's kind of similar where you've got this, you know, team that's widely viewed as mid, a fringe playoff team. There's hope locally, but realistically, they're, you know, most likely to be the sixth best team in their own division. And Carolina comes out after the first period and just demolishes them, right? They're, they're down. They, they end up winning 5-3. Um 
when when that second period starts and the Oilers' historically good power play goes to work, like that's a big test. That's a big test for the Canucks. And it's not just that the Oilers didn't score. It's that they kept trying to find these seam passes through the Canucks' PK, and every time it was like Pew Suter has a stick on it, mm-hmm. right? Like JT Miller gets a stick on it, and the passes sometimes still got through, but they didn't get through clean, and they didn't get through fast, and they weren't great scoring opportunities. And then there's this awesome sequence where a puck rims around and Anthony Beauvillier um, has a chance to get it out and Darnell Nurse comes pinching down the wall and like Beauvillier just cleanly wins the battle. And, and, And he doesn't win it so cleanly that he clears the zone. He just cleanly wins the battle so that another Canucks player can get it and they cleanly win a battle. And then the puck's out and like a, a minute later, Besser sets up Pronick. JT Miller gets the rebound. Besser gets the second rebound right at the side of the net. So, you know, this was an eight nothing win that was built off the back, not of power play excellence or the Canucks' gaudy skill, but the Canucks just won so many 50-50 battles all night that the Oilers couldn't connect play. Like, they, they this was a gritty win. And, and that's the type of thing we haven't seen from this team that much over the past few years. Like, that's the type of thing that certainly I value that's, that's stickier than, you know, scoring on whatever percentage of shots or whatever we might say was unsustainable. Like, if you're consistently killing penalties like that and winning battles like that, like, you've got a shot every night. And the Canucks played like that last night. That's what I liked most. What do you think, though, all, all the one battles came down to? Like, desi- is it just desire or is it um, knowledge of what they're supposed to be doing out there more? Is it some of the new players that they added? Is it all of those things? Like, because sometimes like, we'll, we'll be watching the Canucks and are like, you should do that every night, right? It's, it's in, I know it's impossible to bring that type of effort like every night, yeah. but that's going to be the challenge now, right? In, in some well, ways, they've screwed yeah. themselves, right? Because they've showed us that, that they can do it, right? <laughs> so so they, they got to keep doing it. It's like, it's like doing a really good job early on is actually a big mistake because then people expect it. Well, you know, I, I feel, I, I hear you, right? And there's there's the, the like workable 80% you need to find to sustainably win in the regular season. But let's be honest too, you know, one thing that's worried me about the Canucks is it's not just the slow starts and that the first month of the season has gone badly three consecutive years. It's also been slow starts in game. Like think about all the times you can put it in, whether it's Travis Green or Bruce Boudreau or Rick Tockett's voice, the like complaining about a slow start, you know, after in a post game press conference, right? You've heard it a million times. And the thing about slow starts in the NHL is that that's kind of when the chips are down. Like, one worry that I've had about this team, um, you know, big picture, is that, for me, slow starts aren't just, like, a symptom of an unfocused group or whatever. It's it's a suggestion that your team might not just might just not have it because when the chips are down, they seem to be struggling consistently. Um, the chips are down for this team in the first month of the season. Like, we, we've heard the talk multiple years in a row, the importance of a slow start. Like, one dynamic that does exist when the Edmonton Oilers, who are going to be judged on what happens in April and May, uh, come to town to open the season against the Vancouver Canucks team that's going to be judged on what happens in October. Um, Like, I I do think you saw a pretty big gap in preparation and and in fire last night. And that's not a good look 
on, on the Edmonton Oilers. And, and, and also, it takes nothing away from the Canucks. Like, this nope. is what we wanted to see. Like, we wanted to see this team come out. And, like, this team has a lot to prove. They have a lot to prove early in the season. And it, for, that's been true multiple years, the past few. And they haven't done it. Like, they haven't backed up the talk, come out and performed. Uh, like, it really, really mattered. And they did last night. And, hey, great. Like, great. You know, for me, this wasn't a game where the Oilers played well, right? There are wins where both teams are throwing fastballs, right? This was not that, like, game. The Oilers were awful. They were really, really bad. Um, Which, again, takes nothing away from the fact that this team, I think, needed to show us something. And and I'd add this. It's one win. They all count the same, right? This this win win in game one counts the same as win in game 56. Right. Mm, yeah. Two points counts the same today as it does in February. But you know what? Sometimes an early season result does matter a little more. Like there were at cost tickets available the day of the game for the home opener in Vancouver against Connor McDavid. There, like it matters that this team showed us, you know, just that hint of dog. And they did show us that last night. Like it matters. And, uh, you know, I, I, certainly think having a little bit of hope, a little bit of swagger coming out of it. I I don't want to overfit it. You don't want to be like, well, this team's, you know, it's not, they're not going to trounce the absolute best teams in the NHL on an every night basis. That's not, it's not going to be easy, but man, they, they showed us something without question. And they've now given them, you know, I think they've at least like, at least they have to have piqued your curiosity for, for what they can maintain as they head out on this five-game road trip. What did you see from Philip Hronik, and do you think uh, the Canucks will keep that pair together, Hughes and Hronik, until, I don't know, they need to make a change? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see them skate together in game two. Um, They hard-matched McDavid with the Miller line and with the um, Hronik-Hughes pair. Those five spent a lot of time together. They did a, an, an, an immense job against McDavid. I thought, I thought Hironic was really good defensively. Like, I thought it was a quietly good game for him. Um, I thought the play he made to snuff that McDavid rush when he was lying down. Oh, I mean, it's, so a good. Good de- it's a good defensive stop anyway. But I was watching it, and those forwards had been out because McDavid just kept coming right like McDavid and Dreisaitl just wouldn't change they just kept coming and by the end of the shift uh you know JT Miller had been out for 105 seconds or whatever and there's that final McDavid rush and he, he has no legs like he has no legs and I actually was watching it thinking man I hope no one clips this back check because this is not on him like this is this is this is a guy whose legs are bricks who's got that like you know cloud of uh, or that fog of war in his brain, right? Like <laughs> this is superhuman stuff from McDavid and Dreisaitl. They've done an amazing job on this shift. This is not bad defense. This is a completely gassed player. And and despite that, Hironic has the presence of mind to make a defensive play like that. Like it was a four-goal game, but that's as big a play, as big a defensive play in a four-goal game as you'll find. Um, a real, a real, like a real testament to his fitness level. Uh, and to his brain for the game. So, look, I thought he does, did a lot of little things well. I don't think it was an overwhelming game for him, but I thought it was a fantastic game for that five-man group against McDavid. 
Uh, I know you're referring to it as the Miller line, and I get why. I understand. But I want to put in a petition to rename it the Besser line after what happened last night. <laughs> yeah, well, I think he just scored his uh, fifth of the night like as we were speaking. Yeah, like that's that's a vibe check in the positive. Because not only is it you need this guy to produce, but of all the guys, like given the personal setbacks and the injury setbacks, I mean, I was openly rooting for him, which I don't often do on the air, but I would love to see the guy succeed because I think he's a genuinely good guy. That was awesome when his hatcher goal went in off his skate. He's yeah. like, it is my night tonight. And he had the hugest grin on his face. He's like, yeah, things are going Brock's way tonight. Well, power play one, too, right? You, you know, you see Pedersen immediately point at Besser, and they're just howling with laughter. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, literally, yeah. all of PP1 was just like, you know, they were all like the, the uh, laughing face emoji after that goal went in, which, you know, I, I mean, that, that sucks for uh, Jack Campbell, but um, you know, it was just one of those goals, right? Like, and look, I mean, <laughs> you guys know what I think of Brock Besser. I think a lot of this market knows what I think of Brock Besser. Like, I think Besser's a good player. Um, I thought there was a lot to like in his game outside of the puck following him around. Uh, the first goal, obviously, was was a throwback for him, right? Just beats a goalie clean yep. from distance, uh, is perfectly in a soft spot of coverage. I thought he looked great in the bumper, right? Like, he was mm-hmm. always open. He was always in space. He actually could have had a couple more based on some of the looks he was getting. I think that bodes well. Yeah, he's not going to score four every night. He's not going to backheel <laughs> like like uh, what, what they'd call in soccer a, a quality finish, yep. um, you know, like that uh, every night. But, but even that second goal, right, where he sort of taps it in, finds it at the net, uh, the side of the net, like that's a chance he creates. Like he's the guy on the rush who stops up, beats a defender, and then finds Hironic. Like that whole sequence becomes really lethal because of a better play. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was, he was great. And look, he's good. I, I mean, is he going to get 40 now because he scored four on the first night? No, but... Uh, or maybe not, uh, probably not. But, I mean, man, if he's a fixture on PP1 and yeah. getting chances like that, like those goals are going to come. But more than that, you know, Miller after the game was talking about Besser's complete game, his two-way game, the improvements he's seen from Besser in that area. Uh, I agree, uh, despite the fact that his defensive game really fell off a cliff last year. Uh, that's not typically been him. Like, this is a pretty reliable two-way winger. He's a guy with some size. He's a guy who's pretty good off the wall. He's a guy whose passing has improved. Uh, and he had a night yesterday. Um, do the Canucks have a legit 3C in Suter? Yeah, I'm, I mean, this is this is my type of guy. Like, this is – there's a reason that I was talking about him for months leading into July 1st. Um, and, you know, for anyone who says that I'm – negative about this team like just go read my coverage after they sign pew Suter. this this is this guy is impossible not to not to like not to root for just high motor smart devious right like he's just one of those guys he's just one of those guys who's always in the right spot and if you ever notice him on the ice you notice him because he's done something productive it's just a, an accumulation of helpful touches he is really good he was really good last night i thought he was i thought like him di giuseppe um, Beauvillier, like the Canucks just got a lot of those, like sort of quiet workman, like, you know, performances from a lot of guys in the middle of the lineup. And that's something we just haven't seen this team have. Like we haven't seen 
how many nights have we come away from watching the Canucks over the past few years and been like, yeah, you know, the stars scored, but it was man, like you really can't, mm-hmm. <laughs> you really can't underestimate the 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 workman like performance that they got in the middle of their lineup. Like that's what happened last night, and Suter for me was sort of uh, the best of that group. Okay, so let's look ahead to the weekend. What are the, some of the, the injury issues and the cap issues that the Canucks are facing? Um, both teams played with only 17 oh, skaters last night. It was a, it was a bit unusual, um, but this happens around the league, it seems. First, day, first game of the season. Um, yeah, it, so, it, it, it does. Okay, uh, it does. I'm not excusing but, it. I know. Like, I, no, but, and no, I it, it it's what, like, who did it happen to, right? It happened to Ottawa, who go big and long with all their second contract guys, right? It happened to L.A. and Edmonton. Um, L.A. and Edmonton, I think, are teams with far, far higher aspirations than be competitive and maybe make the playoffs. The Canucks, it happened to, though they were the fourth team. They have a superstar who's bridged, and they executed the largest buyout um, total value buyout in NHL history this summer. That, that's a little harder to swallow for them than it is for the other four, uh, three teams. It should be, in my opinion, anyway. So, is it going to be a problem going forward? Because they, you know, it didn't cost them last night. Um, no, it didn't. So, what 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 are some of the injury updates? Like, are we going to be looking at a fuller lineup on Saturday against the Oilers? Yeah, I mean, well, we will because after you play a full game short, you get what's called an emergency conditions cap exemption where you can insert a guy who makes under 875 K into your lineup, uh, cap neutral effectively to make sure that you have the the full gamut. So you only have to play one game shorthanded to trigger, um, an emergency exceptions cap exemption, which the Canucks will be able to take advantage of on Monday night, regardless of whether or not Bluger or Brisebois or Susie are able to return. So they won't have to play shorthanded again, um, on Saturday, that that much that much we can be pretty confident about. They'll they'll be able to call someone up. Um, beyond that, you know the injury status, the sh- the fact that they have this massive sort of short term injuries and, and maybe some guys with the flu. Um, you know where that's going to be interesting from a cap perspective. It, 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 it's almost more of a logistical challenge than anything else because. You know, it's one thing to get a guy to Edmonton if you've got an injury in morning skate, for example, over the weekend. But once you're in Florida and Tennessee, like if you have an injury in morning skate in Florida, you literally cannot get a guy from Abbotsford to Florida in time. Right. right? Like that's there's just no way. Mm -hmm. Um, Likewise, in Tennessee, it's just those places are too remote, too hard to get to logistically for the Canucks. So, so to me, that's sort of the bigger thing to watch here is um, do they get enough bodies back quickly enough that they're able to travel with surplus bodies on the road? Because if not, then you're really at the mercy uh, of sort of the whims of the hockey gods uh, for that three games against Tampa, the Panthers and, and Nashville, where, you know, you, you may not have to play shorthanded because of, you know, emergency conditions or whatever, whatever other CBA ephemera the Canucks are able to take advantage of in managing the day to day. But, but one thing goes wrong and, and there you are again. So that, that would be, that would be the thing to watch for in my view anyway, would be, uh, Canucks will get a full lineup back in Edmonton, regardless of who returns. But man, they really need a couple guys to return here because once they're far flung, 
the logistical challenge of making sure you have a full lineup and, and are sort of luck proof to be able to ice 18 guys, um, you know, which, yeah, they, they, they didn't even end up playing shorthanded last night, right? Because the Oilers were also short of man. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at, at some point, at some point, that's going to bite you uh, if it continues. We're speaking to Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Drancer, as we look ahead to Saturday's game, uh, how much does the preview change in light of what Connor McDavid said post game yesterday about what the Canucks did, or as he said, pulled in the third period? Yeah, and, and so I, I I meant to check this last night before I went to bed, but do you, the seventh goal was that after that was the Dreisaitl, uh hit on Patterson, right? Cross check, yep. So, I mean, I'd put my PP1 out after that play too, right? Pedersen had sort of gotten a, taken a cheap hit from Nurse or Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl, uh, Dreisaitl. On two of yeah. his, yeah. his last – no, no, but um, – Oh, sorry, yeah, it was Nurse, then Dreisaitl. Kane, Dreisaitl got the penalty, yeah. And Evander Kane had chased one two shifts earlier for Pedersen at about the midway point and then of the third period, and then he has a, a sort of quiet 20-second shift, and then Dreisaitl does that to him um, at, when that penalty happens. I mean – you know, at some point, like it's like what we're we're either going to jump your star player, or we're going to let JT Miller tee off on, on Stuart Skinner here. You know, yeah. McDavid um, cross checked Hronick like two minutes later. Yeah, and then right. Drysaddle slashed Ian Cole. Like it was, yeah, you know, no, I, I they, mean, why are you so pissy? Oh, it's because you're losing eight one. I understand. <laughs> yeah. They they were they were gooning it up a bit, yeah. and and you know what? They, it, it was like they were gooning it up and didn't even have the energy to do that consistently. You know, like it was like. It was even a bad attempt from the Oilers or a bad performance from the Oilers in terms of the extracurriculars. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that was the last time we saw PP1. It was after it was after multiple one players in their top six had taken gratuitous runs in a decided game at at, at the Canucks' best player. I have no problem with them putting PP1 out. Um, you know, McDavid also didn't like the Demko thing, but he didn't know the context of yeah, Demko vomiting that. in his mask. So I think we'll, and, and I'd add this, like, you know, he was asked it directly and he said effectively like, yeah, we don't like that. I, I, I don't, I think anyone saying he was like crying about it is sort of overplaying it, but yeah, I mean, look, all that was left to do for the best hockey playing human on the planet after a night in which his team had completely laid an egg and was dominated in the game which they certainly worked in as if they thought it would be easy and weren't prepared for, uh, was to gin up whatever weak grist for the motivational mill he could find uh, ahead, of, uh, ahead of a game on Saturday. Like, that's how, that's how dispiriting a night it was for the Oilers. Uh, they'll be better. They'll be better on Saturday. And everyone in the Canucks locker room who talked about the result knows it, yeah. right? Like, very clearly, they know it. Uh, it's not going to be like this every night. <laughs> we, we know that. They know that. And the Oilers for sure know that. So we'll we'll see what response they uh, we'll see what response they offer. Hopefully, it's better than whatever you know, um, whatever that was. Whatever I, that I kinda, was. I kind of love that this happened. I'm not gonna lie. Like uh, we didn't have a lot of time to parse through the the actual audio and then what it means. Like it happened like eight hours ago. But I I'm I'm re- I love that this happened. It just adds so much more of a dimension. Uh, to Saturday's game, and we get to sit on it for a couple days and yeah. just sit there and think and, about and it. And the Canucks won 8-1. Yeah, like I love all <laughs> That's of another this. thing I liked about last <laughs> There's night. There's my analysis. <laughs> I love everything that happened last night. Yeah, it, it won't be like that every night, but Drancer, it was fun. Uh, it what was about fun the, uh, what about the fight? Did you see the fight video? 
in the stands. The stands yeah. I was disappointed yeah. in that. I thought that was the most disappointing part. There was no uh, give me give me some action here. There was just there was a bunch of pushing and shoving. It was a scrum. It was a scrum. It, well, there was there was um, it was like you had an almost perfect view from the press box, oh, and there yeah. was a guy tangentially related to the to the fight that you can see in the video, and he's wearing one of those Canucks alternates, like the fade. West Coast Express oh, era God. jerseys, yeah. and it's a Bertuzzi forty four. Oh, awesome! And uh, and we were watching it in real time, like a bunch of the media members. And I was like, "Oh, watch out for the guy in the Bertuzzi third, <laughs> third alternate." Like you know, that's the most dangerous guy in his stand fight. Uh, that and Oilers course, fan was a big boy. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that was a, that was a good prediction by me. So I'm <laughs> happy about that. <laughs> All right, see you, buddy. Thanks, Drancer. Cheers, boys. Bye. Uh, Thomas Drantz from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks talk here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. There will never be a greater um, potential f- fighter at, than the Calgary Stampeders fan in the cowboy hat uh, in the 80s at BC Place. Yeah. Like if the Calgary Stampeders fan with a cowboy hat walked in, like cowboy boots, everything, you know, like you could hear him walking because of the mm-hmm. cowboy boots and you're like, that guy's going to get in a fight because someone's going to play with his hat. Yep. That he's- <laughs> That's always the way it does. Someone tries to knock his hat off. Yep. He, he, knock your hat off. He knows. He's like, I'm going in costume tonight. <laughs> no, it's not even costume. No, but that's, like, yeah, but he's like, someone's going to knock this hat off and then it's go time. Everyone's like, hey, cowboy. Yep. I am a cowboy, you know. That's the costume. You don't have to dress like that. Uh, You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Get your What We Learns in on the other side. Uh, I have a What We Learned for Laddie. And I don't know if it's going to make him too happy. We'll we'll have to wait and uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans: the People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh. God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. Eight thirty-three on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. I'm getting good at hitting the noises. Attaboy. It's like I've been doing this for a while. Yeah. People listening in their cars cannot see. Right. Okay. Uh, let's do some what we learned here, and then we'll dip into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, I've got a quick one, and it is for Laddie, who I know has been following this on social media. Mark Shapiro says Ross Atkins will return as the general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. So Shapiro is obviously still there. Ross Atkins is still there. And it was confirmed earlier that the manager, John Schneider, mm-hmm. will still be the manager next year. Uh, Laddie, what is everyone saying about this? Uh, well, they're split. You know, obviously you have half the people that are on the side of management, half the people that are on the side. Maybe it's not split down to half, but like more people are on Schneider's side of the things. Uh, it's not great. It's It shows a clear lack of... Uh, transparency in the organization and, and 
Shapiro mentioned that in his comments that uh, there needs to be more clarity in their pregame preparation, especially, mm-hmm. uh, which stands out as a line to me that, hey, maybe everything wasn't all hunky dory with the Barrios decision <laughs> at the right. end of the day. Uh, so somebody's lying. And it's clear through his comments that something is being misconstrued or somebody is putting out a false statement. And we still don't know who it is. Is it the GM or is it the coach? Mm-hmm. How can you go into a season next year? So with clarif- that hanging in the air. Clarify what's been said. Like, where's what's the discrepancy? This guy said this, but this guy said that. John Schneider and the many media members have come out and said that the word was after the decision. Hey, John, we know it wasn't you. It was the management mm-hmm. before the game that said to do that. Right. Then Atkins came out a couple of days ago with his press conference and said, "No, it's completely John's decision. John is the manager. He makes the game time decision." So. Right. Somebody here is not telling the truth, and we didn't really get a lot of clarity out of Shapiro. Yeah, Shapiro had to say, like, the relationship between Atkins and John Schneider is not awkward. And when you have to say stuff like that, you're like, I bet it's awkward. Uh, Give us a moo cow on that. Well, I learned that on top of everything else that's going on in the world of sports that we neglected... We forgot to talk about Thursday night football, guys. There's a Thursday night football game tonight. Who is it's it not tonight? just any Thursday night football game. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs against Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Oh, I bet the NFL was thinking this might be a bigger game. They were. <laughs> you know that Kansas City has beaten Denver 14 consecutive times. Like it's a oh, classic man. AFC West rivalry. Things to note from this game. Uh, apparently, big storms. Big storms in Missouri. Overnight into this morning, winds 40 to 60 miles an hour. There was hail. There might be a thunderstorm, so we could get a good old-fashioned weather game on Thursday night football. But um, if you were looking for a night to sit down and just consume a whole lot of sports and all the different ones, tonight's a good night for it. So you get Thursday night football. Mm -hmm. You have another game between the Phillies and the Braves and what's been an amazing electric series so far. And you got a bunch of good hockey games tonight because last night, I guess in a nod to the schedule makers, good on them. Last night was sort of the Canada night. Yeah, all, all seven, seven Canadian, Canadian teams, teams, teams got to get their seasons underway. Tonight you get uh, Rangers and Sabres. That's not going to be bad. America right? Day. Yeah, it's America Day. I think it's July 4th. But uh, you get to see the Sabres team. There's a lot of excitement about them. Uh, I guess you get to see a couple more high-end draft picks make their debuts, including Adam Fantilli in Columbus. They take on Philly. So there's a bunch of really good sports nights. So, again, don't do anything with your life other than sit down, work on your couch groove, and watch sports. Mukau. Did you see Fantilli get rocked in the preseason? That was by uh, TJ Oshie, right? The stick went cartwheeling. (laughs) One of the funniest looking checks that I've seen, but welcome to the NHL. TJ Oshie is like a fire hydrant. Yeah. Uh, Basketball, Ben, do you have one? I do. Yes. We learned last night that the Toronto Maple Leafs changed their goal song from the Hall & Oates goal song that everybody loves Mm -hmm. to the Pursuit of Happiness by Kid Cudi, which I thought was insanely funny. Because they were playing the Montreal Canadiens, and during the Montreal Canadiens 2021 Stanley Cup playoff run, yeah. as my family's all Montreal Canadiens fans, I know mm-hmm. this, their song for the intros during the playoff run was Pursuit of Happiness when they came back and beat the Leafs being down 3-1. Uh-huh. to one. So I don't know why the Leafs changed it. Yeah, I don't know why they changed it either. Hey, what, what's the song? Can you sing it? All the crazy things I did. That song. Tonight. Oh, yeah. It's like being be in the best. studio. Man, Kid Kid yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it sounds yeah, like yeah. the exact same. It's yeah. kind of uninspired, isn't it? I don't know. It's it's, it's very different. So it raises yeah. the question, yeah, do you guys think every team should have a song for the team? Or Laddie and I were kind of talking about it. Should it be like baseball, 
where you have a walk-up every, song every for the player. player gets their own. You get, song. That. you get your no, song. No, you need a team song. I think you need a team song. I think the odd player you can you can make an exception if they have like a funny nickname and a song that goes with it. Mm-hmm. You can play that if they score. I think there can be a but, sound effect for yeah. a player, not necessarily a song. I'm a team guy though. It's not about me. It's about <laughs> wow. It's about the crest. <laughs> you guys, you guys are kind of individuals. I get it. It's I, the name on the front. My goal yeah. song is just the national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a patriot. Uh, give us a moo cow there. Can I do a that quick was, one? That was a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Uh, I'm going to play a clip from a post game. We just talked about the, the Harper uh, situation where it was a stare down at second base. Mm, yeah. He heard a comment from Arcia that was, quote unquote, leaked out of the dressing room. So here is uh, the basically quotes from the Braves dressing room about that quote getting out. Tell me if you've heard this before as a hockey fan. I think when things like that get out, it it doesn't make people want to talk to the media at all. Um, It it affects the people who have been great to us all year, and it is what it is. That was the uh, botch Joe Thornton. Yeah, so that I love the symmetry here because what happened yesterday, a four-goal performance (laughs) in Vancouver, and in baseball, they're dealing with the storyline that we dealt with here in the hockey world in 2013 with Botchford and the Joe Thornton situation. So, so are the Braves blaming the media for Bryce Harper hitting a home run? Well, essentially what it was. <laughs> kind of. Essentially. Kinda? Is, that, is that kind of what it was? But what it was, it was, right it was the postgame celebration. Do you think Bryce Harper would have gone up there and like not tried to hit a home run? But essentially what happened was they opened the doors for the postgame scrum. Mm-hmm. Everyone rushed in. And they caught wind of what he was saying. How is that being leaked? Or, yeah, or yeah, yeah. Right. I don't understand that at all. Yeah, all so, your secrets are gone. Let's be clear here. Um, after game two, there's a writer for Fox Sports named Jake Mintz who wrote a gamer off game two, and buried in the column is this note that, and I'll read it. Um, this is so third string catcher Chadwick Trump. That's not real, is it? Chadwick Trump. That's a fake name. Hold on. Okay, anyway, I got to focus. Um, he strutted by Michael Harris's locker after Harris made the great catch, right? And he was yelling really loud, Mike is him. Like, he's him, right? So what this writer, Mintz, was trying to do was capture the emotion in the sure. room of all these guys yelling stuff. Then he writes, Brave shortstop Orlando Arcia cackled emphatically about Harper's misfortune, bellowing, ha ha, attaboy Harper, repeatedly while reporters were circling the room. So you're right. It's not like this was something that got muttered in the far corner in the recesses of the room and someone picked it up and said, I'm going to go with this. Like, R.C. was strutting around with reporters present mm-hmm. saying, ha ha, attaboy, Harper. And the, the narrative has shifted from, oh, he didn't say this, he didn't say this, to now, oh, we didn't like the fact that this got right. out. Why did that quote get out? But do you know media? what I find funny, too, is like that Harper would even be motivated by that. It's like, what do you think? think they were saying in the Braves room. Do you think they were like, well, okay, well, that on. was unfortunate see it for Harper. That. You gotta no, feel no, no, sorry no, no, no. for him. I think it's it's awesome that Harper did it. I love it. And I love re- it. But you know, the reason that he did it was like JT Real Muto and those other guys went up to him and they're like, hey, did you hear what they said? What are you going to do about it? Like right. That was the thing. Yeah, that that's Har- cool. Harper's like, yeah, like, they asked me, what am I going to do about it? I'm going to go out and hit two jacks and like completely yeah. ignite the city of Philly. Otherwise, I would have chosen to strike out. Yeah. Can I also add that this guy's name is, in fact, Chadwick Trump. Trump? How do you spell Trump? T-R-O-M-P. Okay. I have never been more of a fan of a player that I know nothing about than I am of Chadwick Trump. You're a massive Trump supporter. I, 
<laughs> the big Trump guy. Big Trump guy. All right, let's uh, uh, matrix, please. Let's go into the Dunbar Lumber text line. What we learned, Humanoid Edition, brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit GetFirePlan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! Laddie, you had two in that, that last segment. Thank that you. That was really good. Thank, I was hoping somebody... You're nice. a big Trump supporter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doug from Salmon Arm, what we learned, I learned that Connor Bedard must have felt great scoring his first goal against the team that beat the Canucks in the Stanley Cup final in 2011. Then I realized he was only six years old at the time. <laughs> right. He's yeah. very young. I wonder... I wonder how like was that a was that a thing for him? My fir- my first uh, uh, my first Canucks game that I ever watched was when I was six years old, and the Canucks were in the nineteen eighty two Stanley Cup final. Right, it did not affect me. No. <laughs> Didn't stay with you. Yeah, uh, no, I, I think I went to bed. Um, Bedard, Bedard is on record saying that the twenty eleven Stanley Cup loss was a profoundly sad one for him personally. Right, so I bet I don't think it was. I mean, maybe it was by. Well, I think he I don't was, think it was probably, coincidentally well, got tangled up with Marshawn a lot last night. Marshawn was obviously looking for it. Yeah, and Bedard was, you know, into hockey at a much earlier age than I was. Yeah. Like, really into hockey and much better at it. Yeah, he was better at six than I am right. uh, now, ever, or ever. I was ever. Uh, Tony, with what we learned, both uh, Soupy and Skinner. That's um, Campbell. And Skinner. Yep. Finished with a 750 uh, save percentage last night. Looks like a brewing, brewing goalie battle for the backup role in Edmonton. Yeah, th- I mean, th- for, for Oilers fans, it is only one game, but they're worried about their goaltending, right? Like, Jack Campbell isn't it. Um, no. They're trying to make him it, but I don't think he's it. Um, you never know with goalies, but <laughs> he didn't look good. Jack Campbell is not him. Um, and then, yeah. And then Skinner's obviously going to get the start on Saturday, even though he played. But is he? I'm not ruling anything out right. He had a great playoff run. He didn't get the start I'm in game one. I'm not ruling anything. Yeah. Jay Woodcroft. Would, Jay Woodcroft would be out of his mind if he went back to Campbell. He so blatantly overthought the opening day starter mm-hmm. that I think he might actually take it a step further and really overthink it. And he's like, Skinner, you get the first and the third periods. <laughs> Campbell, you get the second. Like that's that's. I don't know where this decision came from to start Campbell. If Campbell badly, badly outplayed Skinner in the preseason, mm-hmm. maybe I could see it. But by all accounts, it's like Campbell was good, but so was Skinner. He big brained it, but now he needs to galaxy brain. Yeah, like I, I don't. You know, there was a lot of things that went wrong last night. And I don't think you're really going to hang an eight-one loss on your goalies. Obviously, the guys playing in front of him did a lousy job, mm-hmm. but it just seemed like an unnecessary. Decision well, def- defensively, too. If you think about the first two goals, right? The first two goals, uh, I think it was Kulak. Kulak, that's a funny name. Um, you know, did an awful job trying to um get in the way of the pass from PD to Garland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the second goal, there was just miscommunications on who's going to take who. Uh, and JT Miller was able to take advantage of the Oilers player that went to him, and then he's like, Oh, I'm going to pass it to Brock Besser, who's wide open, yeah. And then he was able to rip home a shot, right? Like, would you like to get saves in that situation? Yeah, but I think, you know, with the Oilers situation, like, that's the one thing I don't trust about them. I don't trust them defensively. They don't seem to me like they're not a vault with a lead. Yeah. You know, like, and that's what happened to them against Vegas. They made a couple of mistakes that ended up in the back of the net. 
And then before you know it, you know, they're they're like, uh, McDavid, save us. And he's like, I can't do it all. Yeah. Uh, Surrey Ryan with what we learned. Hashtag WWO, what we learned. Phil Giuseppe, better known as uh, PDG. Surrey Ryan writes that he is Yannick Hansen 2.0. PDG goes into those dirty corners and won so many puck battles to kick out to Miller and Besser. I am impressed. You know, I'll say this. I think he's more Chris Higgins than Yannick. Right. Stylistically. He's a digger. Yeah. Stylistically, I don't think it's there. But I'll say this. uh, The year that Hanson scored a career-high 22 goals Mm -hmm. and really the best year of his NHL career came when he was 30 years old. Yeah. So you could make a very valid argument that Hanson was a late bloomer. Now, you'll say, well, Di Giuseppe can't be classified as a late bloomer. No, but maybe not unlike other guys where there's just a fit, it clicks later in your career. Who knows? I'm not saying that this is long-term sustainability, but I'll say this. I test-wise, I sure like what I see from the guy. How many times have we said on this show that the Canucks need some found money? They need some guys to... They need the next versions of... Yannick Hansen or Alex Burroughs, where, you know, when those guys came into the organization, Hansen was a ninth round pick. You never really thought of him. Alex Burroughs was an undrafted guy that, you know, they got out of the ECHL and he turned into a very important player. Maybe PDG can. Who knows? Right. But they need someone to do it. If they're going to turn into a good team, you need to find those types of diamonds in the rough. I think the big part of this, and we're as guilty of this as anybody, is don't base future projections solely on what the guy's done elsewhere because this is a new situation with a new team and a new opportunity like we've always said well you don't want pdg in your top six right this guy's a career quad a player and and, and he is Mm -hmm. he's floated between the ahl and nhl consistently over the last six years but this is what new beginnings are kind of all about is you get to start fresh and not have your previous narrative dictate where you're going to go. Yes, Greg. Can I give you an example of a type of acquisition that they would need to have? It's, if you look at the teams that win and you want to emulate what they're doing, like, it's an extreme example, but a guy I look at is Chandler Stevenson. Yeah, so, well, I think about round pick. William yeah, Carlson at, 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 at Will- first, right? Sure. Yeah. Like Expansion Down the pick. middle, they've got two guys that were really not considered big parts of their former team. They traded a fifth-round pick for Stevenson, mm. who had, what was his career high in Washington? 11 points? 18 points? Like, he was yeah. a bottom six guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, right? And it's and also he's, Chinandler, Stevenson. Yeah, Chinandler. He might be point I, per I game this year. Yeah, I mean, there are instances in situations like this. What I would say with PDG for us, like last night's game, don't question it, just enjoy it. Yeah. Just be happy that it's working. I would have never have guessed that a line of Phil DiGiuseppe, uh, JT Miller and Brock Besser would work. Yeah. Just never would have thought. But as the line that goes up against the McDavid line. Right. Like, this is what we're doing. <laughs> and it worked. So just just roll with it. Um, what we learned, Mike in New West, if this is what talk it means by low event hockey, then I'm all in for this season. Yeah, that wasn't boring last night, was it? That was great. Yeah. So high event. You know the Oilers? Seismic had, events. So the Oilers only got seven shots in the third period. The Oilers had the Oilers no gave interest up, in playing in that they third gave period. Up. They punted on the third period. They didn't, technically, sure. they didn't give up because they still cheap-shotted. You have to care to cheap-shot. Yeah. But they didn't care a lot. They just they, they knew that they were cooked. Mm-hmm. And I think it was another big eye-opener for me. T- moving away from the Canucks for a second here, I'm like, what is this from Edmonton? What is this effort? What is this entire third period about, like, you can't even, like, if you're going to goon it up, goon it up. 
You know, it was like they kind of put their toe in the goon waters. I'm like, yeah, we no, could try no this. No half-hearted gooning allowed? Yeah, it's the opener, right? Like, you're embarrassed. Yeah, they were embarrassed. Yeah. G- Gary in uh, Cedar texts in, hmm. what we learned, I had a brief moment of deja vu when the Canucks went up 2-0 on the Oilers, as that was where they were in game one last season and the wheels came off. So what I've learned so far is, is this season's team is not as mentally fragile as last year's. Hopefully game two against an angry and motivated Oilers will prove their character is stronger now. Yeah, Drancer and I kind of both picked up the same key moment of last night's game, and it was the beginning of the second period. Yeah, yeah. When the, Oilers, right. when the Oilers um, had that power play because JT Miller took a penalty very late in the first period, and then the Canucks killed that penalty and shortly thereafter scored another goal. Mm-hmm. To make it three nothing. Um, now the Oilers did make it. The Canucks made it four nothing, and then the Oilers did finally score on their power play. A really nice goal by Drysaddel. But even that, the Canucks were able to respond to that yeah. and, and make it five one. There was no. I, I had the same. I had the same feeling, Gary. Like I and 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 hopefully, we're going to learn new responses to this team yeah. because. If you would have asked me, honestly, last night, if you would have asked me after the end of the first period, who's going to win the game? And you said, listen, you have to make a choice here. Um, you have to make a pick. Mm-hmm. I would have said the Oilers. Because I thought they were going to come out on that power play and score. The and then go- the momentum was going to tip. The ghosts of last year's yeah. uh, season. Like, I wasn't 100% sure. I wasn't like, I guarantee you the Oilers. But if you if you had to make me pick, if you had to make me, you know, give odds, I would have said the Oilers are going to win this game. If somebody had a ga- uh, wagering account, and if they saw the money line after the Oilers went down to nothing. a lot of people did. I mean, that's not a crazy thing. I'm just saying, if you were one of those people... That saw the Oilers at two twenty on the money line after they went down two nothing. Oh, that's interesting that you know the money line. You know, you might be <laughs> you might have made a persuaded to might. put down twenty dollars on the Oilers and return sixty four dollars. I don't know. I mean, it's not me, but there are people Def- out there that might have done that. Well, definitely not you, uh, Liam in Calgary. What we learned, I learned that Brock <laughs> is on pace for three hundred and twenty eight goals this season. If he can maintain that. We are cup bound for sure. Yes, Liam. If you have a 328 goal scorer, your chances of winning the cup are exponentially improved. Yeah. That would help them. Like, if that they can get a them. guy that scores four goals every game reliably, like, you know, four goals, that's a nice advantage. Because other guys are allowed to score, too. Consistently four goals, right? Now, I know that the analytics <laughs> won't agree with this. But. Okay. Uh, we're up against it for time. We got to go. This has been fun. I hope this keeps rolling. God, the next time we're able to do this is on a Monday because the Canucks don't play until Saturday. But do not worry. Tomorrow's show, we got a lot to get into. It's Ask Us Anything Friday, and there's a bunch of good sports tonight. Enjoy the sports. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about them. Signing off. I have been Mike Alfred. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been Basketball Ben, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.